Hello and welcome to the Marvelous Duo. We are your hosts. I am Matt. And I am Kate. Today we are talking about the next movie in the MCU, Iron Man 2. Which was released in 2010, which is the same year as Thor. Yes, and one of those is definitely better than the other. One of the Iron Man movies that we've watched up to this point is most definitely better than the other. And we are we are skirting around that this is a bad movie. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's not like the worst movie I've ever seen. It definitely doesn't add anything other than it's a bridge from Iron Man 1 to Iron Man 3. It gives a little bit of filler. We're introduced to some new characters. There's a major character change. But other than that, it really doesn't add anything. It's not even really a bridge from Iron Man 1 to Iron Man 3. It's more of a bridge from Iron Man 1 to the Avengers. That's true, yeah. Which is actually one of the problems for the movie was that the Marvel Entertainment executives were interfering with the script writing, which caused them to have to write in connections as set up for the Avengers, and it kind of cut into the time that they had devoted to other things. Yeah, and I think you can see that. You can see, that, was it John Favreau that directed this movie again? Yes. I, I think you can see in his directing style that his heart wasn't 100% in this one, and it was probably because it wasn't his vision. I did read somewhere that because of Marvel butting in and having such opinions about this movie is actually why he refused to direct Iron Man 3. Yep, which is really sad, because he's a really good director. Yeah, he is. But it happens. We, we, we've already kind of given our opinions on it. I guess we should go through what actually happens in it and why we have these opinions. So this movie starts off with the I Am Iron Man scene. It's a news article that's essentially casting on someone's television. And we are introduced to the movie's villains, Ivan and Anton Vanko. It's yeah. They're, and they are from Russia. Anton Vanko is a character from the comics. He is actually the Crimson Dynamo. And Ivan Vanko, I don't think is a character from the comics. I'm not 100% sure. But he ends up being kind of a combination of the Crimson Dynamo and Whiplash, who in the comics is not... Ivan Vanko. But yeah, we get introduced to the movie's villain, which is the second movie villain caused by Howard Stark. Right, because Ivan's dad, Anton, uh, co-created the arc reactor with Howard Stark, and Howard Stark had him deported and essentially took all the credit for it. But because Ivan's dad had some of the schematics for the arc reactor, which makes sense, he, he co-created it, so of course he had the schematics... And we find out that Anton, the father, is sick and he dies, which is kind of a catalyst that starts Ivan on this revenge quest to take down Tony Stark. Because as we all know, he's a playboy millionaire. And we see in the beginning of this that Ivan and Anton are living in pretty much squalor, except for their bird. Birds are expensive. Yeah. The bird was actually Mickey Rourke's idea, the actor that plays Ivan. Oh, really? Yeah, that was one of the suggestions that he made to further the character of Ivan. Another issue with, with this with this movie, that the villain isn't very multidimensional. 
apparently Mickey Rourke had a lot of ideas and a lot of scenes that are just a lot of content that ended up getting cut. Oh, that stinks. And it, we get to see him making his variations on really what he's going to use the arc reactor for, which is the whips. And that reminds me of Iron Man 1. We get Tony Stark did it in a cave with a box of scraps. Well, Ivan Vanko did it in Russia with a pet bird. That's true. Before we leave the bird situation, do you know what kind of bird it is? Uh, no. It's a sulfur-crested cockatoo. And the only reason I know that, for a short amount of time, I worked at a zoo. And let me tell you, the sulfur-crested cockatoos that I worked with, they were like little dinosaurs. You ran away from them. It's cool to see animals that I've personally worked with in cinema and to see them portrayed because that bird was so cute. Yes, it was. And also, like, plays a role in this movie. It's not just like, oh, yeah, this guy has a bird. Like, it plays a role later on. Yeah. It, it, it is a level of depth that we do get to see in him, his connection to the bird. And like you said, Ivan does make his own arc reactor to power his little whips. Yeah. So he can be what everyone refers to as whiplash, even though technically he isn't. And by everyone, I mean everyone not in the movie, because Marvel is still afraid to name their villains after comic book characters. They yeah. still just reference them. After that, we get to see that Tony still has not learned humility. Uh, he makes quite the entrance into the Stark Expo. Superhero landing. Superhero landing always. We also get to see another early Stanley cameo in that it is early in the movie because the point of view behind the scenes shot of the Expo as Tony's walking through, he mistakes Stan Lee for Larry King, who is dressed as Larry King, so maybe Stan Lee is playing Larry King. I was about to say, I don't think it was Stan Lee pretending to be Larry King. I think it was, he was playing the role of Larry King. Right. Because he, he is dressed exactly like him, so. Right. Pretty funny one. We also are introduced to the Stark Expo, which is apparently a year-long expo that happens. And we also find out that through hints back and forth, he and Jarvis have some conversations about his blood toxicity. Yes, that is extremely important to this movie and is brought up then. That, yeah, the arc reactor in his chest is killing him. So that's... So he's literally dying. Yes. And the, he hasn't told anybody. The thing that is keeping him alive is slowly killing him. We're also introduced to the U.S. Marshal, um, who is played by... Kate Mara who later goes on to play the Invisible Woman in another horrible movie that we will get to a long way down the road, the Fantastic Four movie. But this is her first Marvel appearance. She's one of the few actors who has played multiple characters in Marvel movies. Also Steve Rogers. Yes, Chris Evans. Chris Evans played the Human Torch and Captain America. Yes. But, anyways, back to this movie. This U.S. Marshal hands him a subpoena to be summoned to court. <laughs> and also there's this weird thing about Tony saying he doesn't like to be handed things. Like it's this thing that everyone knows about. But that didn't happen in the first movie. And I feel like it was just an unnecessary add-on to just prove how bougie Tony is. Probably, yeah. The Senate decides they're going to put Tony on trial because he's weaponized the arc reactor and essentially, he's not a law enforcement officer. He's just kind of been like, hey, I'm this unspoken protector. Is that legal? Who knows? Yeah, and that also brings up an issue that comes to a head in 
Captain America Civil War, the the whole issue of how to regulate these these super powered in this case suits, but later on it is more people as well. We're also introduced to Senator Stern and Justin Hammer in this scene. Yes, Senator Stern, who will come up later on uh, in later movies, and Justin Hammer, who is fantastically portrayed by Sam Rockwell. One of the few good things about this movie is that Sam Rockwell is an amazing actor who's extremely charismatic, to the point that he was originally slotted to play Tony Stark until Jon Favreau fought to have Robert Downey Jr. take the part. Interesting. That's weird that we talked about that last, the last Iron Man movie. We're like, I don't think anybody else could play Iron Man. Sam Rockwell could, apparently. Sam Rockwell (laughs) could have, possibly. I don't know. Not Benedict Cumberbatch. I still think he could do it. Incorrect. (laughs) Justin Hammer in this scene is presented to have some kind of background with Tony. Like, kind of like they've always been rivals. But Justin Hammer is supposedly a weapons expert and Tony does what Tony does best and embarrasses him. Yeah. We also get to see the important actor change in this scene because Rhodey is no longer played by Terrence Howard. He is now played by Don Cheadle. And there is a reference to it, and it may be one of the best ways to react to a major actor change in a movie, which is that Rhodey comes in, he's Don Cheadle, Uh, Tony goes up to him, and he just goes, I'm here, just move on. And they continue with the scene, and I I think it's great. Because it's not in reference to Tony, it's in reference to, oh, this is a different actor playing this character. Yes. But it works in the scene, because Tony is like, what are you doing here? You're on their side with this. Which he's not, but... I mean... They take his words out of context. And the Senate... Uh, Their main argument is that other countries are copying the Iron Man idea uh, to deploy in their their own types of super suits. And they're basically saying, hey, what's to stop other countries from forming an army and coming after us? And Tony basically shows proof that everyone is five to ten years away from making an actual suit that could actually work. And... He does that by showing some embarrassing footage that Justin Hammer was a part of a demo where they were trying out a suit because he's the supposed weapons expert. Uh, And the guy in the suit dies and they just gloss over it or he breaks his back. Yeah, I think his his back gets broken. He doesn't die though because Justin Hammer mentions that um, like after they show it, he's like, he didn't didn't die. die. (laughs) Like that's any better. He didn't die. He's just permanently maimed forever. But yeah, so Tony 100% believes that nobody else can weaponize suits, but he doesn't know about Ivan Vankov. Yeah, and one thing that that he says in this scene is that he's personally privatized world peace, which I think is interesting that to him world peace means a safe America. Yeah, and still shows how incredibly cocky he is. 100%. 100%. Like, he hasn't been humbled at all. He is not the Iron Man that has finished the arc. This man is the beginning of the arc. <laughs> and he has not developed character-wise except a little. <laughs> yeah, just a, just a tiny bit. And we also get to see the electricity whips in action. And they're actually pretty cool. They're, I mean, in, in the, the later scenes, they're a little campy. But when he first shows them off, it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. It does make me wonder why he chose whips, but that's not really anything that we 
get to learn about. And because of that thing that we mentioned earlier with Tony having palladium in his suit, and that's what's powering it. Palladium is the material used in the arc reactor core, and it's burning up. So we get several scenes of him pulling out burnt-up material out of the arc reactor. We also get to see a conversation between Pepper and Tony, where he makes her CEO of Stark Industries because he knows he's dying and he hasn't told anyone else yet. So he's just making these rash, crazy decisions. That everyone thinks are crazy. Right. That are really just him setting up for his own death. This leads to them needing an assistant for the CEO, which is what Pepper used to do. And now that she is the the CEO, she needs an assistant. Natalie Rushman. Yes, she comes in. And knowing that she is Black Widow... It makes me wonder, uh, when did Black Widow take the time to become a notary? Because it, it is mentioned at some point that she's a notary. Uh, that's one of the main thoughts that I had in that scene. Maybe in her Russian Black Op days, she took the time to get notarized. I don't know. The scene where Happy and Natalie Rushman, I say in parentheses, they box. It's definitely Tony and Happy playing fun that, oh, Happy's gonna beat her up. And then she demolishes him. She gets distracted. Yes. And he tries to hit her and it becomes just a self-defense thing. Yes. That's what it is. Happy puts up with a lot and that don't think drink would be the title of Tony's memoirs. Because it's, it's something that he says somewhere in there. I don't remember where it was. That should be the title of this episode. Don't think drink. Don't think drink. Okay. That or... Whips and chains excite me. That would be such a good one. I'm editing all this out, but that would be a good one. Okay. So we find out that there is a race going on in Monaco. Yes, there's a race in Monaco that Ivan has gotten tickets for and fake passports and all of this. Fun fact, the guy that gets him all of that documentation is, according to John Favreau, a member of the Ten Rings. Interesting. Yeah. Which we saw in the l- last s- movie. In Iron Man. And we see again in Iron Man 3. Right. We also see Elon Musk in the scene. And yes. it's actually Elon Musk. It is Elon Musk playing himself. Right. Because Pepper and Tony go to Monaco to watch this race happen. And Justin Hammer is also there. And then, of course, there's some back-and-forth banter between Tony and Justin Hammer. And also Christine Everhart is there. Isn't Christine Everhart there with Justin Hammer? Yes, she is doing an article about him. And Christine, if you don't remember, is the lady from the first movie who Tony slept with and Pepper dropped some mad disses. We see that Tony decides he's going to race. Because he's dying, and why not? Right, and he doesn't tell anyone, and so Pepper finds out when she sees him, I think, walking out onto the track on the television. Yep. So he's just making really poor decisions because he's being so incredibly reckless because he's dying. Yes, he's just out there making rash decisions. And in the course of the race, Whiplash, Ivan reveals himself with the whips and attacks Tony, which... What was his plan if Tony didn't race? Because he's at the racetrack disguised as, like, pit crew. So, what was the plan there? Who knows? There are plot holes. It's fine. 
It's whatever. One other thing I learned about that scene where Whiplash cuts Tony's car in half. Or into whatever. He chopped part of it off. Apparently Mickey Rourke had a really hard time getting into the groove of using the whips and using them on beat. So they played music really, really, really loud so that he could keep beat with the whiplashes during that scene. That's pretty cool. I thought that was a really cool fun fact that they accommodated him because <laughs> he could not get used to using them at the same time. Right. That is pretty cool. So after Whiplash starts chopping up Tony's car while he's still inside of it, yep. we get to see Happy race onto the track and we see that Happy has the Iron Man suit handcuffed to his wrist in what looks like a tiny briefcase. Yeah, it's a it's a suitcase briefcase which is actually a sort of a reference to the comics. It's actually inspired by the comics and the 1994 cartoon where the Iron Man suit was a briefcase like that or a suitcase, whatever you want to call it. So, that's kind of cool that they that they did that here. And Tony also refers to it as a football or the football which is a reference to the case that the nuclear launch codes are contained in. Oh, with, you know, the president. Yeah. Tony gets a suit on. So there's a big showdown on the track, and he's arrested. Yeah, because Tony is able to rip out the arc reactor in his chest, or on his, on his chest piece, and the authorities get him. So after he is arrested, someone helps him escape and fakes his death. We found out later that that person is Justin Hammer because he has a vendetta against Tony because Tony likes to make people mad. Yeah, but also he needs Ivan's help with finishing his pet project, which is suits that work that he wants to reveal at the expo. Right, the year-long expo yeah. that we talked about earlier. And this factory that Justin Hammer has Ivan in is in Queens, New York. Yeah, it's actually Elon Musk's SpaceX factory. That's really funny. The, yeah. And in the background, you can see people walking around. It's actual employees. Of Elon Musk. Yeah. They're like, hey, we're going to film a movie today. If you guys can just like go about your normal jobs. But we also get to see Tony's birthday party. <gasps> Where he says, I love you to Pepper. Yes. He tells Pepper I love you, which is just, it's crazy. We also get to see that Rhodey truly, truly cares about him. Yeah, because he gets really drunk at this party because he's dying and no one knows. Tony goes and puts the Iron Man suit on. Yeah, he's partying and drinking in the Iron Man suit. Which is really dangerous. Yes, but it's, it's also, that scene is one of the more important scenes of the movie because they were... They wanted to do more about Tony's alcoholism, which is a theme in the comics, but the Marvel executives did not want that to be a focus because they wanted it to be more family-friendly, I guess, which is why we don't get to delve too much into serious matters in a lot of these movies, which is kind of a failing point. Yeah. I personally think. Because it kind of takes away from the depth of some of the characters, including Tony. And so also, if we don't talk about these important issues, how are people supposed to handle them? Especially children, supposed to handle them growing up. You exactly. know what I mean? 
because alcoholism, not to branch off, but alcoholism is a common thing that happens. So children understanding and knowing what's going on and seeing how it affects people's families may deter people from drinking. You know what I mean? Yeah, seeing, seeing the effect that it can have on the people around you is important. And that's what we see here is that it is starting to affect the people closest to Tony. Yeah. Which causes Rhodey to go get the Mark II suit. And essentially try and take back control from where Tony has become out of control. Yes. And the two of them fight. Everybody gets out. Uh, Tony Tony name drops War Machine, which is pretty cool because that's what he ends up going by later on. We also get the fantastic line, give me a fat beat to kick my buddy's ass. There are children that listen to this. Well... Give me a fat beat to kick my buddy's butt, too. That's better. Because even though it was said in the movie, we're not going to say it on the podcast. Yeah, we try, just so that everyone knows, this is just a thing. We know that some of our followers are children. Uh, we have several family members that listen to this that are kids, and we, w- we want to create an environment where we can discuss these movies openly and not have parents worried about people dropping the F-bomb. So we will try and keep this podcast as PG as possible. Yes, speaking of which, hello to my nieces and nephews. Hello! At the end of this fight between Rhodey and Tony, Rhodey takes off in the suit and takes it straight to the Air Force Base, who have been trying to get a hold of it after that Senate trial because the military want the Iron Man suit. Rhodey just hands it over to him, which I think pretty much as soon as it happens, he regrets it. He's like, ah, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Yeah, but we get to see the aftermath of that from Tony's side, which is going and getting donuts, still in the Iron Man suit. Oh yeah, sitting in the donut, and then Nick Fury shows up. With Black Widow, who is not actually referred to as Black Widow in this movie at all, but it's Natalie Rushman, who is revealed to be Natasha Romanoff. During this conversation with Nick Fury, Thor is mentioned, and the New Mexico incident is mentioned, like vaguely. So that's a cool tie-in, because that's the next movie we're going to discuss. And also, Captain America's S.H.I.E.L.D. prototype is in this movie as well. Yes. Yeah, they they basically commissioned Tony to get his stuff together, figure out a way to save himself, and Agent Coulson is back, because he is Tony's babysitter during this process. Yeah, later on, it is mentioned the the New Mexico thing that's going on, which Coulson leaves for, which comes back a little later. Yeah. Which we'll, we'll bring up. While Tony is essentially under house arrest and Coulson is babysitting him, uh, Tony has time to figure out a replacement for the palladium in the arc reactor. And he creates a completely new element so that his blood toxicity is not an issue anymore. Yeah. It is an element that his father discovered but did not have the technology to synthesize. So he left the information for Tony hidden in the map of the Stark Expo. Which is modeled after Disney World. Yes, the the video where he's talking about it is modeled after the Walt Disney video about Epcot. Yeah, Tony has to go and get it from Pepper's office where he forgets the one thing in the world that Pepper is allergic to. Strawberries. Yes. What, a, what a strange thing to be allergic to. It's, it's very random. But he, you know, he knew there was a connection with strawberries. He just forgot what the connection was. Which she's rightfully mad. Like, he oh, got yeah. really drunk. He said, I love you. And then 
started breaking stuff in the Iron Man suit, so. Yeah, not not good. Not a good situation. No, and uh, during that montage where he's creating this new element, that's when we get the Captain America shield prototype little Easter egg. While he's synthesizing the new element, he's got a lot of stuff propped up so that some beams all connect at the same time. Some light beams or whatever it is. Photon beams. I don't know. Science. Lasers. Fringe science. Fringe science. Yeah, that's all it is. It's um, all fringe science. These so-called lasers. Anyways. That is going to be the only Dr. Evil impersonation that ever happens on this podcast. He, uh... He needs it just to be a little bit higher. And so he grabs the Captain America shield prototype and goes, oh, this will work. And shoves it underneath the little beam so that it is perfectly where it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, and Tony essentially fixes himself. He, he's not dying anymore. He's used, he's using this new element in his arc reactor. So all is looking up for Tony. He really does get his crap together in this movie. Yeah. One thing that is interesting about going back to the scene where Rhodey takes the suit in it's really cool to see that he protects the arc reactor he does not let the military have it he keeps the arc reactor that powers the suit because that is really the technology that is important about the suit they can get the suits built but the arc reactor is what powers them we see justin hammer and ivan vanko working on the suits which ivan has turned into drones which originally justin wanted people to be able to fit inside the suits yes but Ivan says drones better because they can just be controlled, which they're better for him because he takes control of them later on. But one thing that's interesting about that scene is that Justin Hammer mentions that he wants them to be his Rachmaninoff's third, his Pieta, which kind of shows that Justin Hammer is an educated guy, if not necessarily smart enough to do the things that he wants. Like his intelligence does not match his ambition. So he's, he's kind of an interesting character in that and we also get to see they threaten ivan towards the end once he's finally made these robots they threaten his bird which made me so mad because justin hammer is like oh you're not gonna make my drones for me anymore i'm gonna lock you in this cell and put your bird in a bag and it, it's not even his original bird he didn't bring his bird from russia right and it was another sulfur crested cockatoo though justin hammer got him another silver yeah. crested cockatoo and at first he wants his original bird but justin's like no i got you this bird and it's just really funny that at the end of this ivan has bonded with this new silver crested cockatoo and so when they put it in the bag you can see ivan get upset so i just think it's cool how the bird wasn't just like oh yeah this villain has a bird it was he plays a role like justin uses it to manipulate him yeah, which makes him angry, and I don't think it changes what he was going to do anyway. He still does what he does, which is that when the drones are revealed at the expo, including the upgrade of the Mark II Iron Man suit into War Machine. Which they allow Rhodey to pilot because he brought it in. Yeah. I think they were rewarding him. That is That is his one condition, is that he gets to pilot it. Okay, yeah. And when that happens, Ivan takes control of the drones. Before we get to that, Tony, during this time, like I said, has gotten most of his crap together. And Tony decides he's going to show up to the Stark Expo on the reveal of whatever Justin Hammer's doing. So Tony wasn't supposed to be there at this. I think that's important to note. And if he hadn't have been, a lot of people would have died. Yeah, a whole lot of people would have died. But we get Ivan taking over the drones and starting to attack stuff. 
Tony is able to get control of the War Machine suit back. And cool fight scene. Happy takes Natasha Romanoff to like hammer tech to where Ivan is so that she can break in and deactivate all the drones. But before she's able to do that, we get a scene of Tony and Rhodey arguing themselves into the kill box because like they can't decide who the big gun is, which is pretty funny. Also during the scene when they're introducing all of the different drones and the different branches of military, during that presentation, the different songs of all the different branches of the military play, which I think is really cool. And when the drones start taking off and start actually potentially hurting people, there is a scene where Tony essentially reveals himself in the Iron Man suit. There is a child wearing an Iron Man mask, and one of the drones targets the Iron Man mask, assuming that's probably something Ivan programmed them to do because of Ivan's hatred for Tony. And has it been confirmed that that is Peter Parker? Tom Holland has confirmed it. Does he have that power? I, I think so. Oh. I think at this point, Marvel just kind of gives their actors like little things like that, that they can be like, yeah, sure, whatever. That's, that's who that is. Yeah, so hypothetically, maybe, canon or not, it may have happened that that was, because it, it takes place in New York, does it not? Yes. So it would make sense that it would be Tom Holland, Spider-Man. Yeah, that it would, that it would be Peter Parker, because the timeline works out, the location works out, everything works out. Potentially, Tony Stark saved Peter Parker's life. And in turn, inspired another superhero. Yeah. In the fight that ensues between Tony and Rhodey and Ivan, when he shows up in his new powered cross between Crimson Dynamo and Whiplash suit, they cannot break into his suit. They're having issues fighting him because it's designed, it's based off of Tony's designs and Justin's designs and all of this. But the way that they defeat him is something that happened earlier on when the two of them fought against each other. They used the repulsor rays, which caused an explosion between the two, like in the middle where the rays met. And they end up doing that again. They create the explosion right where Ivan is and it is enough to kill him. But then all of the drones start blowing up. And when we see this, we see that Pepper's always Tony's first thought. The The first place he goes is as soon as he finds out that they're going to blow up, his first thought is where is Pepper? And he goes and saves her first. We also get to see them kiss after he does successfully save her, which is great because that means they've made up yes. after Tony, you know, being a jerk. And then I think we're left with the after credit scene. I don't remember if it's a mid credit scene or just right at the, the end of the movie, but we do see the analysis report that Agent Romanoff does on Iron Man about joining the Avenger Initiative, which basically says that Iron Man should join, but Tony Stark shouldn't. In that scene, we also see a news report in the background playing on a TV of the Culver University fight from Incredible Hulk. That's cool. And then the end credit scene is we we are fast forwarding to New Mexico and we get a glimpse of Coulson and a giant crater in the ground and we get our first shot of Mjolnir and there is a thunderclap in the background, which is the setup and lead up to Thor, which is the next movie that we'll be discussing. Yes, it is a wonderful teaser. I love that the original end credit scenes in the Marvel movies were kind of just teasers about the next movie kind of thing. They they used them to set up and lead into the, the next movie in the phase. 
and it was it was a really cool way of doing it. Any other thoughts before we rate this movie? I don't think so, no. I think that is all of my thoughts on it. Though there were good parts of this movie, it's still probably one of the worst Marvel Cinematic Universe movies in our list. Absolutely, for sure. So let's do our ratings. So we're going to divide it up into superhero movie and then normal movie. Yes. Let's start first with movie overall. As a movie overall, really not that great. No. The central conflict is... Confusing. Yeah. Would the central conflict be Whiplash, I feel like? Or is the central conflict Tony versus self? Like, I don't know. It's a confused mess, honestly. Which, part of that is because it was being written as it was being shot, because Marvel set a deadline, mm-hmm. and John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. had to meet that deadline. Yeah, there's no clear path that this movie follows from story perspective. It Genuinely, it's a jumbled mess. Yeah, and you, you can see kind of stuff that they were trying to do or stuff that they wanted to do and just weren't able to. And also, if you remove this movie from all of other Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, just as a standalone movie, I would give this movie like a two. That is exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. It is not as bad as ones. There are some ones out there, but it's not great, which is insane. Because the cast is good. Because, yes, we have most of the same cast from the original. Plus Don Cheadle. <laughs> Plus Don Cheadle and Sam Rockwell and Scarlett Johansson, which was actually almost Emily Blunt. The only reason Emily Blunt did not play Black Widow is because she was contractually obligated to star in Gulliver's Travels. We're just, that was a two. That was a two overall movie, yeah. Okay, so as a, as a superhero movie, still offers not a lot. It's still the same story of Iron Man, but without the redemption arc, without the lead up, without the origin story. Honestly, I'd also give it a two. I cannot see going higher than a two on this movie for <laughs> in any category. Yeah, I really can't either. It Like, it was okay. Would I want to watch it again anytime soon? No. I mean, I... I kind of want to mention that we are re-recording this episode a few days before release, and we decided to just go off of our notes instead of re-watching it. Yeah, that's how much we didn't want to watch it. It's that bad. So to everyone out there who is watching these movies along with us... You can we're skip, s- yeah. We're sorry. Yeah. We're sorry that we're not saying this at the beginning of the episode, but you can skip this this movie if you want to. Yeah, it's really not that great. It's really not. I think the only thing else that I want to say is, firstly, to thank Mikhail Bureau for the use of our theme song, our intro and outro music. You can find his stuff on YouTube, and we've got links in all of our descriptions for the podcast and the episodes. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram and Twitter at The Marvelous Duo. And you can find Kate on YouTube at Kate O'Connor. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. And we just wanted to thank all of our listeners. Genuinely, the outpouring of love since we started this has been very overwhelming. And it's been awesome to see. We also wanted to let everyone know that our next episode will be launching March 14th with Thor, your favorite superhero. My favorite superhero. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Have a marvelous day.